friends and welcome to episode 16 of Cool Story with David J. McNeil. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support. This episode features a conversation with a very talented young performer named Martina Ortiz Luis. Martina has been singing for as long as she can remember, but ironically, it would be the sports world that would present her with the biggest opportunity of her young life. When in 2016 she stepped out into the limelight, as the first ever official anthem singer for the NHL's Toronto Maple Leafs. She was 15 years old at the time. The partnership with the Leafs organization provided an opportunity to raise her profile and provide new avenues for her to promote herself as a pop, soul, and R&B artist. As if all that wasn't enough, as she was honing her craft as a singer-songwriter, she was also studying acting for film and television with a Toronto Actors Studio. That work paid off as well, as she recently was invited to play Rachel Valdez, a recurring character in the fourth season of the popular sci-fi series Winona Earp, which is nominated for a 2020 People's Choice Award. But why don't we just jump into it, so Martina can tell you more about the amazing ride she's on in her own words. Please welcome Miss Martina Ortiz Luis. Hi Martina, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? I am great, thanks for asking. Thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast. I really appreciate that. Oh, it's my pleasure. Also, I wanted to start by congratulating you on all of your recent successes. You are on quite the ride these days. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, do you pinch yourself uh, or look at your life and say, wow, I can't believe this is, this is my life? Yeah, I think there have just been so many incredible things that I've... I'm just really grateful that I've been able to... Um, experience a lot of the things that I've experienced, especially in the last uh, year or so. Um, it, it's like, I'm just really thankful. It's been really incredible and it's been a crazy ride for sure. But, you know, I've, I've worked my whole life for this and um, I've, I've been working for it. So it's, it's, it's rewarding in a sense, but it's, it's been, it's been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people often say, refer to uh, artists as um, uh, overnight successes, but there aren't really many overnight successes. People have, uh, have, have worked at it for a long time in the, in the background, uh, you know, when, uh, before they can get to that level where, where you get to present yourself to the world in the way that you have. Uh, you've been working on this since you were, I guess you told me before that, uh, that your, your parents noticed that you had a, a proclivity for picking up songs quickly when you were like two years old. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so what happened was uh, when I was about two years old, yeah, my parents noticed that, um, that, that I picked up tunes pretty quickly and that I could, you know, sing them and that I had, um, vibrato and that I could, you know, like sustain phrases. And so they thought, um, that that was pretty interesting. So they, um, they went to this music school and asked if I could start doing voice lessons there. And at first, uh, they were a little bit iffy about that because um, the school said that they don't take anyone under six years old um, to start lessons. Um, but the vocal coach there 
so that she'd give me a try and see if I would pick up anything that she taught me. And so she sat me down in the room and um, was just really surprised that I was actually able to, you know, follow along and, mm-hmm. and I was paying attention to what she, she was doing. So um, yeah, so then I, I just started doing private lessons from there. And then I started performing when I was four and it's been a journey since then. Yeah. And you were saying that you've, you've, uh, you're, you're now, you've now continued studying music at the university level as well. So you start, you're starting yes. to study a lot of different genres of, uh, of singing and music, uh, that you hadn't when you were younger. Well, I was, I was technically trained in musical theater and, um, classical music at a young mm-hmm. age. I was doing the Royal Conservatory of Music program and, um, which is mainly kind of classical and musical theater. But I'd always like to, I always loved to sing like pop and R&B soul stuff when I was, ever since I was a kid. Right. Um, and now in, in university, I'm um, in a classical performance program at the University of Toronto. And so we mainly mm-hmm. do kind of the classical and operatic stuff. And uh, for me, I just really like to learn the classical style of singing because of the technique and just, you know, making sure that I'm taking care of my, my voice and not hurting myself and right. um, just making sure everything's in tune, <laughs> finely tuned mm-hmm. um, so that I can carry that with me in, in my, you know, singing outside of school and even right. in, um, you know, like acting and stuff where you have to be talking so much and, you know, doing multiple takes and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, you've got to protect your voice. Um, of course. Uh, there was, uh, I was mentioning to you that uh, um, Celine Dion had surgery a bunch of years ago to uh, um, on her vocal cords as well because of the strain that she had put on on her voice. So it's a good 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 to learn how to sing in a manner that doesn't put uh, strain on your vocal cords to that extent when you're young, so you don't have to run into that problem as you get older. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's like it's it's the same with. Um, athletes, it's it, people don't realize that singing actually requires a lot of body work and muscles mm-hmm. and um, and you know breathing technique and stuff like that. And it's just like like an athlete, like you have to make sure that your body's in shape and that you're taking care of yourself so that you can have that endurance and have the ability to you know keep on singing and not injure yourself. Yeah, yeah. How did you, uh, when you, how did you first start getting yourself out there to people who are not part of your family, that sort of thing, people who were not part of your immediate community? Was YouTube, did that play a big part in, in, in getting yourself out there as a, as a performer? Um, when I was, when I was younger, I don't think YouTube was that big yet. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was kind of just like, I think my music school kind of encouraged me and my parents to put me into competitions and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, one of the first competitions I joined was when I was about four years old, I think. And that was the first time I performed for other people outside of my family, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then one of the most memorable, uh, one of my most memorable kind of, uh, first competitions, I guess, was when I was five years old and I sang, uh, for the York Region Talent Search competition that was held at Newmarket Theatre. And I, I was five years old and I was singing in the 12 and under category. 
And I remember I sang um, Tomorrow from Annie. Yeah. And, you know, I won first place. My entire family was there and I was in the paper and I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And I was um, I just remember I was like really young and I, I, I don't think I really understood what was happening. All I knew was that I got to sing on stage and then I yeah. won this pretty trophy. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, I think I started more in competitions. And then after I won that competition, um, I started getting invited to corporate events and stuff like that. And it just kind of started building up, building up from there. And yeah, it kind of just like performing just became a really big part of my life from then on. I right. think. Was there yeah. a moment where, where was there was there a moment where you caught yourself thinking, this is maybe something I could do for the rest of my life, or did you kind of always feel that way? Or, um, I think I've kind of always felt that way, but I definitely uh, felt more grounded in it and more confident in it when I, you know, as I got older, and. Um, yeah, but it's always been something that I've loved to do. And it's just, I just love entertaining and performing. And I think that's always just been in me. So, yeah. And you're talking about competitions that you remember that stick out in your mind. You also had an opportunity to go back to uh, your parents' homeland, the Philippines, and, and do uh, the Voice Kids uh, Philippines there, right? Yes, I did. Um, that, I think that was in 2015. I think, and I was 13 and I was, you know, I was, I just sent in a, a video and I, I was in school one day and um, my dad picked me up from school and he was like, yeah, so you're flying out to the Philippines tomorrow. And it just happened mm -hmm. so quickly. And they invited me to, um, you know, do the live auditions. And then I did a few rounds. I made it to the top six of my, of, of my uh, team. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was, it was a great experience. I think I, I made a lot of friends and I was young and, um, my coach Bamboo was so helpful and, and so nice. And so that's definitely also a, an experience that I, that I'll carry myself for the rest of my life. I'm guessing you probably <laughs> also picked up a bunch of fans in the Philippines that probably still follow you today, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about Filipino fans is that they're just, they're very, they're very loyal, I think, especially when they see another Filipino, um, you know, striving in the arts and, you know, yeah. trying to push for that type of career. And, and so it's been it's been pretty cool. Yeah. To see um, to have them kind of just follow along on my journey ever since yeah. then. Yeah. Well, I was really blown away. I saw a documentary. Uh, uh, about Journey uh, and about how they had um, hired on uh, Arnel Pinella. Uh, Pinella, I think is his, his last Pineda, name. Yeah. Pinella, mm -hmm. uh, yes. to be their singer. Uh, and uh, when they, you know, they kind of talked about what it, he had been through, it, it seemed like there was a real culture in the Philippines of, uh, uh, of, uh, of performance and singing and that there was a lot, of, there were like a huge number of bands there, cover bands, uh, and, yeah. and uh, that they competed and were uh, traveling around the world to help earn money to send back to families. It, it seemed like there's a real culture uh, of, uh, of pop music. Oh, for sure. And I think it's really, um, it's kind of a historic thing that I won't get too much too into, but, um, but yeah, I think, 
I mean, Filipinos love karaoke and, you know, most, most households, Filipino households will have like a karaoke machine. Um, I, my family doesn't, but which is really ironic considering I'm the singer of the family, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I think it's like, you know, I think the Spanish brought over their love of music and then, you know, karaoke became a big thing. And, you know, when American boy bands were a thing. Um, they would test out their, their music on, you know, the Filipino, uh, on audience, say, audience. Yeah. yeah. And so I think like pop music and stuff like, and pop culture has just been a very big influence on Filipinos. Yeah. And we've loved to, to sing and dance and, um, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, for sure. I really think singing is a big part of our culture. That's pretty cool. Cause that sounds like you're going to have that, that, uh, that audience follow you for, uh, for as long as you want to do this. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I'm talking about when opportunities arrives, uh, um, how did you get the opportunity to uh, audition for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Um, it's actually kind of a funny story. So for their hundredth season, they were looking for a permanent anthem singer, uh, for the year. Mm-hmm. and they were they were promoting it on social media and in commercials and a good family friend of ours saw it and suggested that I just try out and you know I was uh, I was 15 at the time this was back in 2016 I think and I was just like yeah I'll just I'll try for it I'll go for it why not and actually the night before the audition I completely like my parents and I completely forgot about it and then <laughs> we were like oh wait there's we have to do something tomorrow and, uh, and then we like looked up um the audition call for this anthem thing right. for the leaves and it said that the auditions opened at 8 a.m so we were like oh my god we have to be there super early and so we got there around 7 30 for an 8 a.m audition call yeah. and there was already a line going out the scotia bank arena i can and imagine yeah, and it was crazy. We I had to do like a multiple rounds um that day and and I it was a little nerve-wracking because uh, for me I was I was one of the younger ones there and you know the other people that were auditioning were kind of anthem veterans who had already been on rotation for the Leafs and the Raptors and the Marlies and the Jays and they all kind of knew each other and and so it was a bit intimidating, um, but I kind of just thought, you know what, I'll just, I'll just try it. Like, I'll just do my best and see how it yeah. goes. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to think too much of it. Um, and then, and then a couple weeks later, my mom got the call and we were all like freaking out. Um, and then, and then it was like another thing that just happened so quickly. They were like, oh yeah. So in September, when we're, we're going to fly you out to Halifax for our preseason games and you're going to yeah. sing out there. And just try it out and we'll see how it goes. And, and then, yeah, <laughs> and then they've kept me for about four years now. So it's been, it's been a journey with them too. Yeah, no kidding. So what, what's it like to stand in the middle of uh, Scotiabank Arena and have, uh, what is it? It's over 20,000 people. It just yeah. focused on you. I mean, it's. I've always really loved the experience. I mean, like four years later, I'm already, I, I still feel um, like a rush when I go out there. It never gets old. I never get tired of it. It's, um, 
I mean, I don't think I ever really got nervous. The the great thing about um, singing in like a big arena is that you can just feed off the energy of the crowd. That's what I've noticed, especially, you know, at a sports game, everyone's like riled up, everyone's ready to go. And so you can feed off of that energy and kind of just give them what you got so that you can pump them up for the game and hopefully pump up the players. Um, Sure. And so, yeah, it's just a great experience. I've loved it. And is it difficult to sing in that arena? I mean, with the, is there a big echo? I know some stadiums are worse than others or arenas. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's, it has a weird kind of feedback echo thing to it. Mm-hmm. And it took some getting used to. And then especially, you know, with the echo and then with the, the crowd screaming, sometimes it can kind of get, um, sometimes you, you can't hear yourself or you, you yeah. can't even hear yourself think. Um, but I kind of, I was able to get through it for my first couple of seasons. And, and then I started, I actually started wearing in-ears and like my, I want to say like halfway through my second season or maybe my mm-hmm. third season, I started wearing in-ears um, just so I could hear myself more, especially by the end, because that's when the crowd kind of gets all pumped up and stuff. Yeah. So I, I usually wear an in-ear in one ear and then take out the other one so that I can hear the crowd and feed off their okay. energy. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how I've been dealing with it. But it's it's really interesting to navigate your way through that. Um, the arena type of sound stuff. Yeah. I bet. And is there, do you find one, is was one anthem harder to sing than the, than the other? Or do you, do you feel more pressure singing your own anthem or is, or is it just, you just, you kind of see them both the same way? Um, I'd love to sing both. It's really, they're both very different. I mean, I think the, the American one is more kind of, it's, you have more um, freedom to kind of, you know, throw a little flair here and there. And it's, yeah. it's also written just as a more soulful song, whereas the Canadian anthem is more of a hurrah, like anthem, like march mm-hmm. song. Yeah. Um, but I love the Canadian anthem because, you know, um, I think Canadians like to sing uh, our anthem a lot more. So mm-hmm. I love to just hear the crowd singing along yeah. with me. I think that's a, that's also a great experience. It's kind of just like this big commune community, just, you know, singing, um, um, you know, their love for the country and all that. And it's, they're two very different songs, but, um, it's just, it's, you have your, their own, they have their own little bits that you, um, love about performing them for sure. Right. Yeah. And what has it been like um, during uh, the COVID-19 shutdown? So the, so the, of course, as we know, the, the uh, uh, NHL just wrapped up their playoffs. um, Mm -hmm. And of course the Toronto Maple Leafs were in the playoffs and uh, uh, half of the games were played at uh, Scotiabank arena. And then half of the the games were played in Edmonton. Now they Mm -hmm. didn't, uh, uh, the Anthem singers were not part of the bubble, correct? No. But so, but you were still singing the anthem. How did you do that remotely? <laughs> yeah, uh, they asked me to sing from home uh, for for the first game, and then they used recordings from previous games uh, for the rest of that round. But yeah, it was pretty cool to see how that kind of like panned out, mm-hmm. and how uh, the other anthem singers uh, sang remotely for their teams. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but it was definitely weird 
to not be in the arena and kind of just singing in my basement to my phone yeah, <laughs> and hoping that the players find it okay. <laughs> yeah. That it still has that, uh, uh, it's still the same rallying cry that it is if you're doing it live in the arena. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And when you become an anthem singer, does that mean that all kinds of other organizations are sending you emails and calling you all the time saying, can you come and sing the anthem here and there at this event? Uh, is that something that's a thing? Yeah, like I've gotten, I've gotten invited to sing the anthem at a few places. Uh, I've done some events at the ROM. Uh, for your listeners who don't know what the ROM is, it's the Royal Ontario Museum. And uh, for, some, for some races at the Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, uh, I've gotten to do a couple NASCAR races, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, it's, I've gotten in, I've gotten invited to sing for a lot of different places and it's been pretty cool, um, to, you know, be a part of the Leafs organization and kind of represent them yeah. at these, at these events, um, which is really interesting, but yeah. Yeah. Well, people who are listening who don't live in Canada wouldn't quite understand how this team in particular uh, plays such a, a large role on the, on the public stage, on the sports stage, mm-hmm. uh, because the team's been around for so long and, uh, yep. the, and the fan base is uh, so uh, uh, crazy. You can say crazy, it. rabid, fervent, whatever <laughs> it is. It, it really is. They're like, uh, you know, even, even when we are not doing well at all, the fans are there and they are loud and they are involved. So mm-hmm. to be part of that, uh, I mean, what a great way to uh, promote yourself on uh, uh, on the stage and 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 get attention for your uh, your singing and songwriting outside mm-hmm. of that building. When did you start writing your own music? Um, I started writing when, like, ever since I was a kid, and I think I started to really take it seriously when I was about twelve. Uh, that was when I released my first song, actually, uh, "True Friends," <laughs> and it was mm-hmm. like this little cute little cutesy thing. And then when I was 13, I was asked to write the official Christmas jingle for the World Vision uh, Christmas catalog campaign. So they use that for like the radio promo and commercials and stuff. Um, And and then I kind of just been writing ever since. And um, I I recently released a song called No Love, which I Mm co-wrote with this great producer, T who's worked mm-hmm. with Alessia Cara and Drake and Rihanna and all that stuff. And this other great songwriter, um, Ali Sue, and she's, she's amazing. And so, um, yeah, I love songwriting. I love, I, I've continued to do it and I've got more things that I've written in my back pocket that I'm hope, hoping to release soon. And yeah. And is that, uh, when, when do you, uh, is there a certain time that you find to write or do you have to put time aside or, do things just kind of jump into your head and then you grab a, a, you know, a pad of paper? How does that work for you? Um, comes in very different ways. I think, um, during the lockdown, um, I had a lot of time to kind of work on my own stuff Sure. and, you know, cause things were less hectic and it was great to just sit down with like a notebook and just write stuff down and then, you know, sit at the piano and, uh, get some chords down and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I just have, like, I don't even have a set process. I don't think because sometimes things will 
come to me like literally at 3am and I'll write, I'll write stuff down in my phone. Like yeah. I'll like get out of bed and write stuff down. Um, so yeah, I don't think I have a set process. Yeah. Um, one of the things I find really interesting about uh, R&B culture and hip hop culture these days is that they do something that rock and roll used to do, but doesn't do anymore. And that is a, that artists collaborate with each other a lot. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you see everybody, you know, doing uh, doing collaborations with other singers or singers doing collaborations with hip hop artists. Is that something now sure. that you're starting to get calls about to uh, to uh, collaborate with other artists? Yeah, and actually, um, I will let you brought this up because uh, I'm hoping to release a song in the next month or so. And I actually uh, got this really great um, female rapper, Coconina, mm-hmm. on the track. And she's really talented. And I think the song really came to, together really well. And so, yeah, I think I just really think that, um, well, especially here in Toronto with the musicians here, like we all just really want to support each other. And because yeah. there's just so much talent, not just in the city, but, you know, Canada is just full of um, that arts passion and full of talent. And so I think we really just want to... Um, help each other out and just make music with each other and see how it goes. It's definitely like a collaborative experience and just like a creative experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, I find that amazing. And I'm always, I'm surprising too, when, when an artist will, uh, will surprise you and bring in another artist, you're just like, wow, where did that come from? One I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about right now was, uh, um, Post Malone on his last album. Uh, he, he brought in Ozzy Osbourne. Like Ozzy Osbourne mm-hmm. must be about, uh, he's in, he's, he must be almost 70 years old. And mm-hmm. uh, it was such a genius move because all of a sudden he opens up uh, himself to an, an older audience. But, an, you know, yeah. there you go. All of a sudden you got so many new, new fans on your doorstep from, from uh-huh. you know, being an out of the box thinker like that. It's really, really interesting move. Yeah. I mean, um, there's this one collaboration that I found really interesting. Um, it was with Ed Sheeran, Bruno Mars and Chris Stapleton. So it's yeah. like Ed Sheeran, who's very folk singer songwritery, and then you have Bruno Mars, who's like in that realm of like pop, funk, soul, R and B, and Chris Stapleton, who's like a, a like a I want to say he's a country singer, and yeah. like they just absolutely ripped it on this like hardcore rock single, yeah, um, and it was just great to see like all of the different flavors that they had. But um, kind of come together in more of like a rock realm. And yeah, yeah it's just pretty cool to see um, more artists collaborating with each other and kind of like uplifting each other and just collaborating for the sake of art and just, you know, for the creativeness of it. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I like Chris Stapleton a lot. He's And the thing about him, too, is you're, you're talking about he's a country music artist, but he's not like a new country music artist. He's, he's yeah. really old school, like mm-hmm. Willie Nelson, all those old guys and stuff. So. For him to be uh, uh, doing uh, projects with all these, um, I want like I wouldn't say younger artists because Chris Stapleton's not not an older he's, artist; he's, not, yeah. he's mm-hmm. still in his thirties. So mm-hmm. uh, it's so interesting to see those kinds of uh, matchups. Uh, I think that's really uh, really neat, and it says a lot for the artists who are thinking differently about who they want to work with uh, and branching out that way. It's pretty cool, very cool. Mm-hmm. And he's like he's a he's a he's a country singer, and but like on this track he sings rock so well and he just has like his voice just suits it so well and i'm just like interested to see if he'll if he'll do more stuff like that because it was just so good and his voice is just incredible so 
Yeah. Yeah, that's well, what I thought. <laughs> maybe you'll, you'll get a chance to work with Chris Stapleton. Who knows, right? <laughs> Put it out Who there. And, uh, put it out there into the universe uh, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who would be your dream artist to uh, to do uh, 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 you know uh, work in a project with? I mean, I want to say two of my biggest influences of all time have been like Beyonce and Bruno Mars. Love yeah. those two. I watch their both of their Super Bowl performances like yeah. constantly, all the time. Um, I love those two, but also I just really love the, um, the talent coming out of Canada and Toronto right now. Like I love Daniel Caesar and Jesse Reyes and, um, I love Sean Mendes too. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And another duo that I really love, they're not from Toronto, but, um, they're doing really great stuff right now is Chloe and Hallie. Okay. And they're, they're just, I just love, I just love, they're, they're kind of, I would, I don't want to say new because I know they've been in the game for a while, but, um, their stuff is starting to get more traction now. Um, but they're doing great stuff, R and B, uh, pop stuff. And yeah, they're really great. Yeah. I think that's who I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I give you kind of just like a splurge of different artists, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure there's a long list of people that you'd like to work with given the opportunity. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so now you, you're, you're meeting people, uh, you're getting out there, you're traveling probably in different circles as you, uh, you know, get a bit older and, and uh, uh, meet more people. Um, uh, wh- how do you keep your head screwed on straight when, you're, when you're, uh, your life is kind of um, uh, expanding like this and, and opportunities are arising and you're meeting all kinds of new people? Uh, how do you stay grounded? Um, I definitely think that my family grounds me and just like, um, I mean, I honestly don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, I kind of just, uh, do what I got to do. And, um, I try not to think too much about any negative stuff. Um, especially on social media, like that can be. Yeah. That can be difficult, but, um, I don't, I try not to dwell on the negative stuff and I, I try to stay thankful for all the things that do happen rather than the stuff that doesn't happen. Um, and all the good stuff that happens rather than the negative stuff. So I think, I think that's kind of what's helped me, um, mm-hmm. keep my head on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you try to, uh, not, do, do you, try to keep away from social media or re because people will project things, you know, people don't know you, they'll project things on you and people don't, you know, people who have too much time on their hands will get, get online <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. Do you try to avoid reading some of that stuff or do you like to kind of uh, see what people are, are saying about you and your music and, 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 you know, you're working for the Leafs and all that kind of stuff. Um, the thing is, is I love social media. I'm, I mean, I'm a Gen Z kid, so mm-hmm. it's and social media has always been part of my life. And yeah. um, I love it for entertainment and stuff. Yes, I do get negative comments, but I really don't care. I just That's don't good. care. I see them and I kind of I have to laugh because the things that some people come up with, I'm like, your imaginations are incredible. Please become a writer. What are you doing <laughs> on Twitter? You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing in my Instagram comments? Like, it's, um, use your creative 
creative creativity for something else, honestly. But it, yeah, I don't really care. I just find it kind of um, funny. <laughs> um, but it's great. Like, I think social media is such a great platform to just be able to connect with the people that do support you. Um, yeah. And just like the people that have uh, some supported me, you know, out, that are from outside of Canada. It's just been really cool to connect with them and, and um, kind of just, it's just cool to see how, you know, my music can get to the Philippines and Australia and like right. Puerto Rico. And um, especially with, you know, the show, um, Wine on Earp that I'm <laughs> currently on, I'm just plugging now. Um, yeah. Uh, it, their fan base is incredible and they're from all over the world. And I just love being able to connect with them and to like, you know, chat with them and see what's up. Um, but with everything else on social media, I try to not pay attention to all the, all the noise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I understand. Now you, uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned Winona Earp because, um, I was going to ask you, so, so how does, how did you get into acting? Where, uh, what was the, uh, how did you, uh, how did that door open up for you? Um, I've just loved acting ever since I was a kid. And I started, uh, taking, um, acting lessons when I was about 11 or 12, Mm -hmm. um, at Armstrong acting studios. So mainly film, film TV style. And, and then I, when I was um, 14, I played the lead role of like Jane Banks in this production of Mary Poppins. And so I just love, I've just loved acting for a while now. And I've had an agent and I've, I've gone on countless auditions for the last few years. And, you know, I, I auditioned for Winona back in December and I kind of forgot about it for a couple of weeks because, you know, like I said earlier, I try not to think too much about what doesn't happen. And yeah. You know, and so I, I kind of just forgot about it for a bit. And I was sitting in this lecture at school in January and I felt my phone buzz and I checked it and it was this email that said that they were considering me for the role. And so I literally sat there <laughs> in this lecture trying not to scream. My friends like, are you OK? And I was like, ah. um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so then I, I went for a callback on a Thursday Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Saturday, I got the call that um, that they wanted me for the role and that they wanted to fly me out to Calgary. And so then on Sunday, I flew out to Calgary and I didn't even know how long I was going to be there. I had no idea what I was doing. This is my first time doing a major acting role for a TV show. So, um, yeah, it was just it all just happened so quickly. Um, but it's been great. Yeah, it's, it is amazing how quickly that all that all comes together. Between yeah. uh, the audition, booking it, and then being on set. It happens. Oh, yeah, so- for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so this is the show, though. Winona Earp is a show that's really taken off with its audience. It's, it's uh, been nominated for uh, a People's Choice Award, right? Or it's, it's in the yes. running, and it's up to people to vote for it right, at this point. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is that they've actually won this exact award in 2018. Okay. And... Um, and then after that, the show kind of got canceled and no one knew if it was coming back. And like this year, it finally aired again after two years. And now they're nominated for a, uh, we're nominated for People's Choice Award. And it's pretty crazy because it's the first time I've ever been a part of something as big as this. Um, and so, yeah, voting continues from until October 23. And so 
we'll see what happens. It's pretty cool. <laughs> your fan, your fans can go online and and vote for you. Uh, how did they do that? I think the, it's uh, E E that uh, that produces the uh, People's Choice Awards, right? Yes. So they can go to pca.eonline.com. Um, and when they, when they're voting, they can go to the TV, um, section and we're up for sci-fi fantasy show of 2020 and they can vote up to 25 times a day. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And you can vote from anywhere pretty much. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, I'm going to have to go vote for you and we'll have to uh, encourage all of our listeners to get online <laughs> and vote for you as well. Vote for yes, the cast. It'd sure. be pretty exciting if uh, if the show wins uh, wins your category. Yeah, it would be it would be really amazing. And uh, so you from what I understand, so you started shooting back in uh, you said you were shooting in January. That's right. Yeah, we started in January and um, we were supposed to film from January to May. Um, but because of the COVID lockdown, we stopped halfway through in March Mm -hmm. and then we went back in in like the end of July, I think until the middle of September. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the first half aired from July, uh, I want to say 26 to about the beginning of September and the Mm -hmm. back half is going to be aired, um, sometime in early 2021. Right. And the series shoots yeah. in Al- Alberta. Is that right? Yeah, we shoot um, in Calgary pretty much. Yeah. OK. So yeah. what was the difference when when you got the call to say that we're going to resume shooting under new guidelines and safety precautions? What, what was that like? What was the big the, the big difference in, in shooting under those circumstances? I mean, it was it was pretty weird. Like, I want to say it was a bit of a challenge, but also it was kind of, for me, more so, I think, because I was just, you know, I was, I kind of was just starting out. Yeah. Even back in, like, January to March. And so I was just getting used to everything then. And then they started changing all these different things when I went back in July. Um, But it was really great. I mean, they, I think they handled it really well. Um because we were we were the first production in all of North America, I think, to go back to filming. No. And um yeah, and it was just really it was really different. Um everyone except the the actors was wearing masks for like twelve to fourteen hours a day. Um everything was so different. I mean, you know, the way that you had to interact with even like the director was um and, and in rehearsals and blocking, it was it was all different. And, um, but I think they handled it really well. And like, there was not a moment when I felt unsafe mm-hmm. and, um, they tested us regularly, like every few days. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And it was, it was kind of crazy the way they put it all together, uh, and pretty quickly too. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how much the industry changes and how, you know, what kind of guidelines stick around beyond, uh, well, when things are closer to normal or what they used to be like, how much the industry changes to to adapt to uh, to this and uh, whether or not some of those safeguards become long term practices. I guess we won't know mm-hmm. until <laughs> until we get to the other side. Yeah, I mean, it's been crazy. I mean, I've been reading the news and I know some productions have kind of stopped for now because of the uh, rising cases and um, there are other productions that are taking it 
to a, a way bigger level than we did in in that they're literally wearing like full on um like disinfectant suits and right. like hazmat suits and masks yeah, yeah. and face shields and um they've they've restricted everyone to specific zones and stuff like that so um i think it's it's going to be really really interesting to see what happens especially in the next couple months where it's like flu season and stuff like mm-hmm. it's going to be crazy for sure yeah <laughs> It's the old Chinese proverb, may you, may you live in interesting times. Yeah. <laughs> you certainly do. Mm-hmm, for sure. So do you have a favorite uh, actor? Um, I don't. I mean, I love so many. I mean, there's so many great ones right now. And it's like, we just, there's just so many great shows and movies out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's like, it's hard to choose. Growing up, I've, I loved... Emma Watson and um, uh, Zendaya. I love Zendaya so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad used to make me watch like old school movies, like Stallone movies. And yeah. he'd make me watch, you know, Scorsese movies, all mm-hmm. that stuff when I was pretty young. Yeah. And so I've just like had this really weird taste in like film TV where I've had all these different influences and things that I've liked. So I yeah. can't really say specifically like who's my favorite, but. Well, that's cool yeah. that you were introduced to so many different uh, artists and directors at a young age. Is there, mm-hmm. is there a director that, uh, that you would love to work for? Oh my God, there are way too many. I can't even, <laughs> <laughs> I not can't a fair even question. just choose one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you're going to have all kinds of opportunities to uh, audition for and, uh, and book some great, uh, some great roles in the future. It's, a, it's pretty Hopefully. exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 a really exciting time. It's also a really crazy time considering everything that's happening in the world right now. But um, yeah. uh, we'll see how it goes. All I know is I'm I've kept on. Um, I've been working my hardest and my best and doing what I got to do. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't think a lot of audiences uh, or a lot of people out there realize how many of the big, big, big uh, films and productions are shot uh, in Canada and specifically in Toronto. I mean, Toronto does yeah. a, such a good job of faking other cities. So mm-hmm. we shoot so much stuff here and then it's more affordable to shoot here uh, because of the uh-huh. dollar. And then on top of it right now, uh, because of what's going on in the U.S. with the high COVID numbers, there are more and more right. productions that are showing up on our doorstep. So opportunities mm-hmm. are there. Yeah, it's been it's been really cool to kind of see the industry kind of boom here. Um, And it's really funny because, uh, you know, most of my life has revolved around going downtown. And so in the last few years, like walking down the street and seeing like closed off streets and trailers and big trucks filming things has Mm -hmm. been pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of walking around downtown, um, do you find you get you get recognized a lot, or can you still blend in and uh, and be part of the crowd? Uh, like I really personally, I I don't think of myself as like a like a I don't know like a famous or like well known person. Right. But there are those like it, it's funny that people when I'm on the subway sometimes I'll like walk by a group of. Uh, people and they'll be like whispering to themselves and you can audibly hear them be like that's the anthem girl (laughs) or like um 
yeah and it's funny it happens on the subway most of the time i don't yeah. know what it is about the subway but um people usually recognize me as the as the leaf anthem singer on yeah. the subway yeah <laughs> it's pretty funny but um <laughs> yeah and what, what do people do when they recognize you do they want autographs do they want you to get, do selfies or record something for them or you know what? I mean, yeah, sometimes, you know, it's an odd selfie. Sometimes they just want to chat. And what I really like, and, um, you know, a lot of um, other artists that I know that have gone to the States and are like more well-known in the States mm -hmm. um, as well, have told me that Canadians are really good at not bothering you for pictures and, and videos right. and stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess that's also why a lot of um, a lot of celebrities like to stay in Canada or like like to visit here. But mm -hmm. yeah, like I usually just have like pretty chill conversations with people. Like people don't usually bug me for um, anything too crazy. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes it'll be like the odd selfie and stuff like that, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that, too, because you're an anthem singer, is that, you know, in, in other circumstances, probably more so it would be that you would be um, meeting people your own age or, you know, relatively in your peer group. But because you're singing the anthem, you know, you're 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 out there and you're being seen and heard by people from all different age groups. So it probably, oh, you know, fairly yeah. often that it's that senior citizens or, or, or you know, <laughs> people are a lot older than you recognize you uh, on the yeah. street and want to have a chat with you. Mm hmm. And it's, it can be very interesting, but, um, for the most part, they've all been very lovely experiences and just like nice chats. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think if you, you know, you, um, carry yourself nicely. And I think when people see somebody like that who carries themselves nicely, they, uh, you, you get that kind of vibe back, you know, <laughs> the people will, uh, uh, deal with you on the street in that same sort of way with a certain amount of respect and, and decorum, mm -hmm. I, I, I guess. I mean, I, I guess, I guess so, but yeah, I appreciate that. that yeah. Thank you. So what are you excited about next? You, you're excited about auditioning for more roles, re uh, releasing some, some, uh, uh, some new music that you've written. Uh, what's, what, what's, what are the big uh, goalposts uh, for you right now? I mean, yeah, I have a lot of songs that I've been working on. I was just in the studio uh, last week working on a couple originals. And so I have a, um, some stuff in my back pocket that I'm really looking forward to releasing soon in the mm -hmm. next couple months. And, you know, um, Winona is going to be airing um, early 2021. So I'm really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've been auditioning for some stuff, but once again, with the, the COVID situation, a lot of things are being halted right now. So it's, it's hard to say, but, um, you know, I've been, um, yeah, music's coming out. Winona's coming out soon. Uh, people's choice awards. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much the, yeah. <laughs> So how does it work these days when you release music? Where's the first, uh, where's the first place that people can listen to your music? Um, on pretty much anything, Spotify, uh, Apple music, iTunes, um, Amazon music, um, Google play. I think it's called mm -hmm. Google music. Yep. You can find my music on pretty much every 
um, platform once I release stuff. And I have a couple stuff up on there now. And so, yeah, you can just check out my social media for more updates on that. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, you know, all that stuff. Well, you got lots of exciting things happening right now. And uh, it must be, uh, you must be having a lot of fun right now. So I, I just want to uh, uh, wish you the best. And, uh, and uh, I think, uh, you know, you've got a lot of uh, Canadian fans that are uh, excited to see um, uh, what you do next. And, uh, and uh, you know, Canadian fans love seeing uh, local, local talent uh, make it on the, uh, on the big stage and be able to, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, do well in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, so I, I think uh, it'll be exciting to watch you. And uh, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure it's going to continue to be quite the ride for you. Oh, thank you so much. And it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. And yeah, thank you. Well, continue to success. And thank you once again for chatting with me today. It was a real pleasure. And uh, it's so fun that uh, we have the same uh, talent agent, Jessica Martins of uh, Hero Artists. It was nice that she was was able to connect us so we can have this chat today. Uh, It was Mm -hmm. a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cheers. Take care. All right. See you. My thanks to Martina Ortiz-Luis for spending time with me and for sharing her very cool story. As Martina mentioned, if you want to support her and the cast and crew of Winona Earp by voting for the show and their nomination for a People's Choice Award, visit pca.eonline.com, click on TV, then click on the Sci-Fi Fantasy Show of 2020 box, then click on Winona Earp. You can vote up to 25 times a day, and voting is open until October 23rd. Also, thank you very much again to Mr. Jerry Stamp, who wrote and performed the Cool Story theme song and all other jingles and stings that appear on this show. Do yourselves a favor and look for Jerry's music wherever you stream. And finally, thank you for listening. Until next time, Pura Vida. Everybody's got a story What's yours?